We are exploring the topic of joy this Advent season. It's a frequent theme of the season. You see J-O-Y emblazoned upon lots of ornaments and decorations, even tacky sweaters. But unfortunately, that joy is often superficial joy. It's short-lived. It's not based in the deep reality that is biblical joy. That's what I hope that we'll be looking at during these sermons this Advent season, joy that's going to last, joy that's going to actually mean something in your life more than just a fleeting emotion. Last week I gave you a list of six frequent ways that the Bible speaks of joy. Last week we looked at number one on that list, that joy is found in God himself. And I made the proposition and hopefully backed it up from Scripture that joy is found primarily in God because he himself is supremely joyful. He's joyful in himself. Said to you that the happiness... God has in himself is the foundation of our happiness that we have in him. He's happy because of his glory. He's happy in his sovereignty. Number two on that list that we're looking at this week, joy that is revealed to us. Joy that is primarily in God's word. And then you see here we have the other four that round out this list. Joy that is found very often on the other side of sorrow and pain joy that is found in our salvation, joy that comes from being ransomed and redeemed, joy that is found even in our sanctification, our growth as disciples, and finally, joy that we find in the salvation and in the growth of others as they come to know the Lord, as they grow in their discipleship as well. Last week in the worship folder, you'll remember, there was no scripture passage like there normally is. There was a list instead of 10 different references This week, you might be pleased to see that there are actually two verses there. There's somewhat of the cornerstones that I was working from. These are the two verses that got me started back when I did my initial survey of joy in the Bible. And these two struck me because of joy being found in God's Word. The psalmist declares, Psalm 119, 111, Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart And then the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 15, verse 16 said, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. So what we're going to look at this week is a very logical progression from what we looked at last week. If our joy can be found in that supremely joyful God, then it shouldn't surprise us at all that it would also be found in what that supremely joyful God says. Now, before we even begin, I want to make an important observation. That God revealed himself to us at all is an incredible gift of his grace. An incredible condescension on his part. And it is for him another source of joy. It brought God joy to reveal himself to us. It brought him pleasure. How do we know that? One of the benchmark verses from last week, Psalm 115.3. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. 
And we can take the inverse of that as truth as well. He does nothing that doesn't bring him pleasure. If it didn't bring him joy to reveal himself to us, then he wouldn't have done it, rest assured. And just like we talked about last week, it should not surprise us that we, created in his image, should find joy in something that he finds joy in. If he finds joy in his revelation of himself to us, then certainly we will as well. Now, when Scripture speaks of God's revelation, of God revealing himself to mankind, speaks in two different categories. The first, scholars, theologians, call general revelation, right? How he's revealed himself to us in creation. Now, certainly, God's amazing creation reveals all kinds of things about God. It reveals his creativity, his power, his glory, And it provides great joy to us to behold it, right? Think about the beautiful sunset or sunrise or or time that you enjoy spending at the ocean or in the mountains. It is glorious. It is beautiful to behold. Uh, Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. That general revelation is amazing, but it can only take us so far. It can only take us so far in our knowledge of who God is, and it really provides no knowledge at all of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus, which we so desperately need and is our only hope of having a relationship with that amazing and powerful creator, God. And so that's where the second category of revelation comes in, revelation that usually gets called special revelation. See, we not only have God's works that reveal, but we also have his words. God is a God who has spoken. That same psalm, Psalm 19, uh, goes goes on in later verses to extol the virtues of God's spoken and revealed word. Verses 7 and 8 of chapter 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, Rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It is in this more specific and special revelation of of what God has spoken that we're focusing on today. How we find our joy in his word. Now, you'll note in those verses from Psalm 19... There are several different ways in which God's word is referred to. Law, testimony, precepts, commandment, and there are a whole host of others in the scriptures. Law is probably the most frequently used. But even when you see that, when you see law and how it's our delight and how our joy is in the law of the Lord, you need to think more broadly than just the Ten Commandments. Because that, that word law there has a breadth of meaning to it. It's a Hebrew word that maybe you've heard before, Torah. And wrapped up in that word is, of course, law, but also instruction, also direction. And so there's lots of overlap with the words that you see highlighted there from those verses. But there is one common factor with them all. And it's the way in which our joy is a direct result of coming into contact with that revelation. God's revealing himself. He is speaking to us. Now, 
the joy that is ours there, the joy that we find in God's Word, it is, it is a specific joy. It's not just joy in general. Uh, it's not joy in some vacuum. It's, it's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling that we happen to get when we read it. No, God's Word brings us joy. It is a delight to us primarily because of its many, many benefits to us. It helps us in countless ways. Psalm 119 is, is the quintessential psalm, probably the quintessential chapter in the whole Bible, that catalogs for us the manifold benefits of God's Word. No wonder it's the longest chapter in the whole Bible. I worked through that psalm this week, and I just started making a list of all the benefits that I came to from God's Word. From the one psalm, it's a long psalm, I made a list of 35 benefits, and many of those were repeated over and over and over again. And so I chewed on that list for a while, and those specific verses, where those benefits came from, And I saw out of those six broad categories that most of those benefits fit into. We're going to look at those six categories. These are the reasons, broadly speaking, that we can find joy in God's Word. Now, I'm going to go through these fairly quickly. I'll highlight a few verses on each one. But I've tried to do some of the work for you. If you look in the worship guide in the outline there... Every number you see there in the parenthesis after each point is a verse out of this chapter, Psalm 119. And so I'd challenge you, I'd encourage you, spend some time in this psalm this week. Make your own list. See how many you come up with, maybe more than 35. Maybe even ask the Lord while you're doing that to make you like the psalmist himself. As you ponder God's word, the psalmist himself, remember how the Psalter begins, Psalm 1, right? It begins with our joy, right? Blessed, right? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his joy is in the law of the Lord, the instruction, the direction, the Torah. And on his law, he meditates day and night. That's my desire for myself. That's my desire for you. And as we get ready to dig in, let's pray together. Father, would you make us like that psalmist? Would you grant to us great joy? Would you cause your word to become a great source of joy in our lives? that we would see even this morning its manifold benefits, the ways in which you bless us and grace us again and again and again through and because of your word. Would you help us to see that? Would you cause our hearts to take great joy in that, to grow in our love for your word and from hearing from you? Speak to us now, we pray. By the power of your Holy Spirit, by the power of your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The first reason God's word is our joy is because of how it helps us on our way.
how it helps us on our journey with him. Scripture often talks about us being on a pilgrimage of our, of our sojourning, of the fact that we're not home yet. We're on our way, but we're not there yet. We're just here temporarily. Verse 54, the psalmist says, Your statutes have been my songs in the house of sojourning. Right While we travel, God's word supplies the soundtrack. Verse 24, how do we know where to go on this journey? Well, God's word counsels us. Your testimonies are my delight. They're my counselors. Show me where to go. Probably one of the most famous verses out of this Psalm 119 is verse 105. Many of you probably memorized it as a child or or taught it in Bible school, right? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is our joy because of how it helps us on our way. That's the first. Number two, as we travel along our way, God's word is at work capturing and captivating our hearts. God's word is revealing to us the untold worth and beauty and wonder. And as our jaws drop open in awe and wonder, our hearts are being turned ever more to God. Verse 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Verse 162, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Oh, what treasure there is. What joy it brings because of how valuable we find it. It's like we say, I've hit the jackpot. Open my eyes, the psalmist prays in verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Wow me. Awe me. We need that. Because this world is filled with all kinds of allurements and charms. Cheap imitations. But God's word reveals to us time and again the real worth and beauty and value that our hearts all long for. God's word leads our hearts to love what is truly lovely. Uh, Verse 127, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Number three on our list, we find joy in God's word because of how it helps us in areas of wisdom and understanding and judgment. Verses 97 through 100 are the key verses here. And it's another one of those passages where we see all of these different synonyms for God's word being used. Verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Can, can we say that? Can we honestly say that to the Lord by his grace? Verse 98, Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. All of this help, 
all of this wisdom, all of this understanding. Y'all, practically speaking, it just helps us make good decisions. It helps us to live life as God intended, which by definition is a life of joy and blessing and blessedness. Because when we live our lives in harmony with the way that the creator of all life created life to work, well, guess what? It just works. <laughs> it just works. And, and we can't rely on our own wisdom to get there. This is not a matter of us applying good old common sense. We'll never get there that way. We have to be helped. God has to help us, and he does so through his word. Now, closely related to this is number four. As we're on our journey, as we're being given wisdom and understanding, the Lord is changing and transforming us from the inside out. By the power of his grace, he uses his word as a major agent of change and transformation. He's bringing us joy in his word, even as he uses that word to sanctify us. Fancy word for setting us apart, making us different, making us holy, making us like Jesus. Verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep my way pure, verse 9, when I guard it according to your word. I will be less likely to sin, verse 11, when I store up your word in my heart. And as God graciously teaches us his law, verses 29 and 30, we'll choose the way of faithfulness. Now, I don't want to mislead you here in any way. This is not easy. Rattles off kind of easy, right? Joy, 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 joy as we're being sanctified, joy as we're choosing, da, da, da. Easy peasy. Sunshine and rainbows every day. No, not really. Yes, there is joy to be found. Deep joy, real joy, lasting joy in God's word and in the life that God's word leads us to live. But that joy comes frequently mixed with tears and sorrow and, and pain, which is, which is a larger topic that we're going to look at more fully next week. But even here as we talk about joy in the process of, of growing, joy in the process of being sanctified, Y'all, can we just be honest that sanctification is very often painful? It's not very often happy in the moment. Oh, joy, I'm being sanctified. No, think about how Scripture talks about it. One of the images that Scripture uses for sanctification is of a refiner's fire. That's what sanctification is like, where, where the bad stuff is burned away. Think about the last time you burned yourself. It hurts. Another classic image that the Bible uses for our growth, for our sanctification, is the image of taking up your cross and dying 
dying to your selfish desires and motives and ways. And so, yes, if we're honest, obedience very often feels more like death and dying than it does life and living. To say no to ungodliness, to say yes to righteousness is often a hard and difficult path. But fortunately, graciously, it's in those moments that some of the thousand other benefits of God's word kick in. The benefits we're not even going to talk about this morning. Benefits like comfort and hope and strength and steadfastness. When we find ourselves weary doing good, his word comes in again and it buttresses our faith and it is our help in time of need. There is indeed great joy to be found in God's word as it changes our lives, even when it's a painful process. Number five on our list this morning. God's word is our help and therefore our joy as we live lives, and this is closely related to number four, as we live lives that are full of adversity and trouble, when we're frequently facing our enemies. It's God's word that keeps us from shame. Man, that was mentioned so many times in this psalm. Keeps us from shame. Keeps us from scorn and contempt. Uh, God's word gives us, verse 42, the ability, uh, the ability to answer those who would taunt us. God's word helps us endure adversity and trouble. Uh, verses 84 through 87. I want you to listen to the tension here. The tension between uh, the love for God's word, the joy in God's word, and just how stinking hard life is sometimes. Verse 84, how long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure, but they persecute me with falsehood. Help me. They have almost, almost, made an end of me on earth, but I've not forsaken your precepts. That's reality. That's just honest reality. And those words by the psalmist could have easily been written by the prophet Jeremiah. That's the other verse that got me started, the one that's printed there in, in your worship folder. Um, just such a great word picture, right? Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the, the delight, the delight of my heart. Those words of Jeremiah are absolutely true, but... Did you know that I've taken them out of context? <gasps> I've lifted them right out of chapter 15, where if we had time to read the whole thing, we would see that those absolutely true words about the delight and the joy of God's word are in the middle of a big-time complaint that Jeremiah has against God. If, if you read the whole book of Jeremiah... You'll see that Jeremiah's got a bit of a love-hate relationship with God's Word. He loves God's Word. But he hates how hard it is to deliver God's Word to a people who despise and reject it. 
to a people who despise and reject him because of the word that he's delivering to them. And so in chapter 15, Jeremiah is having the mother of all pity parties. I wish I hadn't been born, he whines. God, this is painful. Why aren't you doing anything about it? And he tries along the way several times to just quit. I'm not doing this anymore, God. I'm done with this. I'm not going to give your word any more to the people. That turns out to be rather futile. About as futile as when Jonah tried to run away from the Lord. Jeremiah tried to quit. And and chapter 20, verse 9 is definitely one of my top ten favorite verses in all the Bible. When Jeremiah tried to quit on God's word, he said, If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in indeed. I cannot. It was stupid to try. God's word brings us great joy, ultimate joy, joy for the long haul, but not joy without pain and tears along the way. It's in those moments when what God's word is bringing our way feels more like death than life, we have to cling to the promise that his word ultimately does bring life. Every time. All the time. Number six on our list. If there was one of these things, one of these six that snuck up on me a little bit, caught me a little by surprise, it was this one. This one that really got me thinking the most. Find joy in God's word because God's word brings us life. Verse 25 in Psalm 119, Jeremiah could have written this. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Verse 50 as well. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. Verses 92 and 93. Again, it's that great juxtaposition. It's that great contrast of, of joy, but the adversity that it often comes through. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. And there are many, many more places that we could turn about the word bringing and giving life. And I hope that you'll find those as you spend some time in this chapter sometime soon. But as I thought about this one some more, joy in God's word because God's word bringing us life, my mind went to several different places. First place it went, of course, was to John's gospel that we've so recently been spending so much time in. Thinking back to how John opens his gospel, right? In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and how, how perfect this final way of God speaking was, right? Jesus is, is his final and perfect 
word. Thought about how Jesus himself found joy in God's word. How it was his help as he faced temptation. How it was his strength, how it was his comfort as he made his way to the cross to be our substitute and sacrifice for sin Thought about John's explicitly stated purpose in writing the gospel there in chapter 20, right? That you'll believe in the word and that by believing you'll have life in his name. And I thought some more about how it is that we actually come to the place where we do believe. How does that happen? How does it happen that we come to believe and have life in his name? We have to be given life. We have to be given the new birth. We have to be born again by God's Spirit, but also by His Word. His Word has to give us life. Peter captured that idea perfectly in his first letter. Chapter 1, 1 Peter. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And it is this word, it is this life-giving word that we're about to turn to at the table here. At the table, we're going to come to have that word sealed to our hearts. That's one of the functions of that sacrament is to take all the truth that we discover in God's life-giving word and this sacrament by God's grace through the faith that he will provide will seal those truths to our hearts. will cause them to sink deep, deep down so that we might draw on them forever. That word of God that remains forever is about to be sealed to our hearts. Oh God, would you indeed help us to find our great joy in you and in your word. Oh Lord, you've been pleased to stoop down to us so low. To speak to us in words that we can understand with your Spirit's help. That we might know you, the only true God. That we might know what it is that you've done for us that we might know and be assured of what you've promised that you have yet to do. How part of this Advent season is not just looking back, but looking forward and anticipating that moment when the sky is divided, when the trumpet sounds, and when our Savior is coming back for us. Oh, may it be soon, Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, give us great joy in your word. Help us to see its manifold benefits. Take even this moment now in our celebration of this gift of your grace. Use it for our good and for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.